0: Greetings from Kyiv, Ukraine, guys, it's D from Cardinal Birds, and I want to say that the war in Ukraine continues and hundreds of people die every day. So we recorded a song called Ukraine which we dedicated to all the defenders of our country and all those who suffered from this war. The song was recorded on home equipment between the sound of sirens and rockets flying overhead. Recorded part of the vocals on iPhone and the drums are in a friend's garage. We were also lucky enough to work on this song with big rock stars like Gardy Johnson, Steve Sidelnik, and Ben Scrivener. And special thanks to legendary engineer Howie Weinberg for the mastering. This song is charitable and we will send all the money from purchases or streams to help Ukrainians. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Liam. Glory to Ukraine. Slava Ukraini.
1: Welcome to the Punk's and Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird and I am your presenter for this said podcast. And guess what? I have a band interview for you, lucky lot. A fucking band interview. When was the last time I did that? Well, it was about four episodes ago. Uh, I've purposely stayed away from bands because I wanted to explore different avenues of art and TV. Uh, so, But we're back with one of my personal favorite bands from the past 10 years. But before we get on to that, I want to let you know that we're going to be doing a live show in Camden in an undisclosed venue at a date I can't give you. So I don't really know why I'm I'm announcing this, but I just kind of, I suppose I want to put in your thought process that if you're going to be in the London area in August, just keep some dates open. (laughs) It's just a possibility. And and come see me do a talk uh, with someone about punk music in a place that sells beer. Uh, That wasn't really worth announcing, I've just realised. Other news, if you follow the podcast on social media, you all should, at Punks and Pubs. Uh, You will have seen that I have actively put out a request for you to come and be a part of the Punks and Pubs family. I want to lighten my load and, uh, and I want you to come and have a go at this presenting, Lark. So if you are a lover of punk rock and you live anywhere in the world and want to have a crack at podcasting, then reach out and pitch an interview to me. So what I'm looking for is for you to tell me who you would like to speak to, Be Realistic, What would you like to talk to that person about and what support do you need to make this interview happen? I've been talking about how this podcast, uh, I love it, but it can sometimes be uh, troubling for me to try and keep on top of it. That's why I've gone from doing it bi-monthly to now just monthly. And I know there's an audience out there and I know there's content to fill. Basically, build this podcast more than what I can. And I want to do that with the community. And that's what Punk's about. Punk is about us as a community coming together and uh, building something that has a positive impact within the punk community email punksandpubs at gmail.com and let's see where this goes right let's crack on my guest for this episode is the flatliners and hot water musics chris Cresswell. for you og punks and pubs fans out there you will know that this is chris's second time on the podcast and the last time we spoke was in camden in 2018 and a lot let's just say a lot has changed (laughs) since that time Uh, so expect chat on covid making the new album new ruin in secret leaving rise after putting out inviting lights and going back to fat we also talk about stand-up comedy and obscure british tv and some other stuffs but i'll be back after the chat but till then enjoy my chat with chris I've already asked you, Chris, but how are you?
2: <laughs> we're doing the classic podcast thing. of acting like we didn't just say hello and everything. No, right. I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> Wouldn't
1: it be so rude if people just died out by just going, ah, "Don't talk to me yet. Don't talk to me yet. Don't talk to me yet. Now talk to me. How are you?
2: I mean, I'm I'm doing well. I mean, I'm thinking I could have I could have rolled in here since we're on video too, you and I, with like a, one of those like black cloaks, you know, with are like real big mysterious rockers play like a festival and they got a little, I've seen it happen before. They got a little black cloak off the side of the stage where they're just hanging out in, Everyone knows there's someone in there, everyone watching, <laughs> waiting for the band side stage or in front of the stage whatever, knows there's someone in the little cloak box and then they come popping out and surprise, quote unquote, everyone. And yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 no, I'm very well. It's How mascot, are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. I mean, we last spoke back in 2018, uh, the, the before times, as I like to call it. And uh, we was enjoying a, a nice pint in Camden. And it was just before you were about to do Double Duty with uh, your band, The Flatliners, and uh, Hot War Music. And uh, you were supposed to come back to the UK later in the the year. And unfortunately, that was cancelled due to personal matters. And then, who would have imagined it would take four years for you to come back to Europe and play? I mean... You, we were just talking off mic about returning uh, like how, like it must have it must have been great to to play a different audience that's not kind of north america that's not shitting on north america but
2: <laughs> no it, it's it felt amazing it felt it felt special it was our first shows since the end of 2019 and it was uh especially you know the london show we played felt like a long time coming because like you said like we had that tour in 2018 and we had to cancel um and then i mean the time before that that we played a headline show at least in london i was really sick so we played at the dome but we, we did like the full band kind of stripped down version because that's kind of all my body could handle that's all my voice could really deliver you know and it was it, it ended up being a really fun and special show but also like we had a kingston show on that run we had to cancel and and then past that we had the cavalcade tour in 2020 that obviously never happened. And, so it's just it's been like it was it was pretty cathartic to actually like play a proper headline gig in london and and you know at large, like all the shows last week were just great like getting back to Bristol, which is a place that we've played i think almost every time we've been to the u k and one of the earl- one of the earliest you know cities we visited uh um in the u k and and then starting in Glasgow, it was the first show we were kind of i think we were all a little nervous beforehand and a little anxious to play and weren't really sure what was gonna happen but I mean, honestly, once we hit like that first note, we kind of all looked at each other and were like, oh yeah, this this feels good, it feels like us, you know what i mean like the the power was back. <laughs> It felt great.
1: Well, it's good to speak to you now, even if it is via Zoom. I mean, the plan was to talk in person, but understandably, you didn't want to kind of risk getting the dreaded COVID. Yeah. It, it happened to Jeff Rosenstock. I was meant to talk to Jeff Rosenstock and he, and he just cancelled all the interviews when he was over in the UK because pretty much his whole yeah. band, apart from the drummer, got COVID. How much is like touring now due to COVID completely changed?
2: Um, You know what? I feel like when you're in the day to day, 90 percent of it is still the same. I've, I personally feel like there's just like an extra gravity to the situation with COVID, you know? Um, I think it depends on where you are in the world. I think it depends on the kind of places you're playing, you know, if we're talking strictly touring. Like, it really depends. I mean, there are massive, massive bands that play these huge arenas and stuff. And like, and, uh, it obviously depends where those arenas are and what the like kind of like local uh, regulations are as far as like masks and, and vaccination passports and stuff like that. But I mean, if you play a place big enough, obviously you can fit a lot of people in there, but there's also all this space between everyone or potential for space between everyone. Whereas what we're doing in these clubs is you're right there in it. Right. So it's, there's just an extra gravity to it. I mean, like I got to be honest, like those two years, it was just about um, like being home. I mean, it was for a, it was for a terrible reason, obviously what was going on in the world, but it ended up being exactly what I needed. And I think what a lot of people in this world, needed you know um so now it's like harder to leave like i'm actually gonna go to the airport in a few hours i'm like it's harder to leave every time now because i got that taste of you know home life it was bizarre because trying to make a living off of playing music during a pandemic is really hard (laughs) (laughs) but you have a lot of time to put into it when you're not on tour to figure that out right so i don't know i think like but again like once you really break it down like everything is your routine kind of is the same. Mine is at least on the road. It's just, you have to be a lot more careful. And especially now with I'm, I'm kind of, I'm doing double duty like all year. So it uh it's, there's just, there's, there's twice as much uh, of an opportunity for someone to go down. There's twice as much opportunity for me to get back out there and feel like myself again and like play shows. Right. So I want to do everything I can to keep the people around me safe the people in my community my friends and family safe and myself safe and yeah man i mean like i'm i'm probably gonna rock a mask on an airplane for a long time because airplanes and airports are fucking gross Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people still i thought after all this time people would like kind of learn how to be you know more um i don't know more human in an airport or an airplane and it seems like it's gotten worse but things like that like at a show like i'll I'll still you know wear a mask like as much as i can around a crowd of people until we get up there and, and i i got to sing through a microphone you know just to just to make sure you know like it's we're still not out of the woods and again i know it depends on where you are like like we were in the uk last week and cases were super low there at the at the moment so that's great you know what i mean like it that helps going into a situation like to ease some of the stress and anxiety and stuff like that but I mean, you know, you and I probably both know a lot of people who like just kind of made it through the last couple of years playing music or are journalists or are working for bands or even in film or all these things. And like if that if it happens again, like we're I think a lot of these people, there's a good number of those people that might be like you know what fuck it like i'm gonna find something else to do was there was there
1: never a period then with you guys because obviously you guys have been going you're doing your 20-year tour now was there ever a period in that kind of two years where you're thinking fuck this is actually going to be the end we're not going to make it to the 20 years like or was it kind of like no there is a bit of shining light we will get there we can do online shows and just kind of rough it out a little bit
2: um yeah like during the last couple years like it was never a doubt that we'd get back to it at some point, you know, like, I think it was uh, probably equal parts uh, like ignorance and arrogance (laughs) or whatever. But I just like, we were, we would, I kind of started working on new music at the beginning of COVID, like separately. And then we started 2020 was like, not a very productive year as a band, but separately, like, like putting music together in like, you know, in our own minds, each of us and also just productive in the sense of, our personal lives and everything, which took a lot of catching up to do after years and years on the road, uh, things started to move like kind of forward. You know what I mean? Like we knew just sadly, like we weren't going to be able to do that cavalcade 10th anniversary tour. And that was a bummer, but like, we just started to look forward. And then 2021, we really kind of kicked making a new record into high gear and did a lot of, you know, had a lot of phone calls. Like we don't all live in the same place anymore. So we had a lot of phone calls and we finally got back together, the four of us in the same room for the first time in almost 600 days, which was the longest it had ever been in our history as a band and made a record in secret last year. So it was like, we we knew that whenever we felt comfortable to do so and the world, you know, was in a better place and was willing to cooperate, you know, uh, basically like we'd get back to it and by the time that rolled around like we we had a record of the bag so it was good
1: after that period of time kind of being away and then coming together i don't know about yourself but over covid i just kind of allowed myself to look like shit like i just had a beard and scruffy hair <laughs> when you all came together who who's the one who kind of let themselves go the most like just kind of like <laughs> fuck hygiene or anything like that i've been alone i don't know
2: uh, you know what everyone looked good like i uh like the like John's beard was bigger, but it's always getting bigger. You know what I mean? Like he was—he's like a—he's a total like hockey guy. There was a big hockey beard. It looked awesome. Uh, and also, we're getting to the, that age where like he—he's got a lot of salt and pepper in his big beard. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm started, i am i got a fan. lot of salt and pepper on the sides of my head. You know what oh, I mean? Man. Like we're getting there. So no, it was cool. Like no shit, man. Like I got in the best shape of my life in 2020 because I was home, not like on the road all the time eating. Shitty road food and drinking the free beer we get at the club every night. Like, I I had like a routine. I had. Like a regimen that I could stick to, and it was awesome. And like my wife and I loved to cook, and it was—you know what I mean? It was like all the things that I miss about home when I'm on the road. I got to do, but then it was obviously it became like Groundhog Day <laughs> pretty quickly. I mean, but yeah, I mean, your
1: band that was renowned for constantly being on the on the road, and and you said during that kind of period you actually enjoyed being away. Is there now? Is that kind of like the mindset? Has it has it kind of eased off the the kind of we need to be on the road constantly, or and like now I need a bit of time to be home and enjoy the home life, or like you you kind of hinted at there, or has it gone straight back to the old and back in the tour bus, keep
2: playing shows? No, I think there's definitely, especially among well, among both bands I play now, like there's definitely a point to making the, the schedule make sense for everyone, you know. I think I just that I am involved in two bands now. My schedule then still is very busy, but um, I mean, like the, with the flats, like we we can kind of only operate at a certain capacity now. Just with every how everyone's life has changed, you know, how each of our lives have kind of evolved, and like as you get older, you get some more responsibility and stuff like that, and super super unpunk and not fun to talk about. I know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like life changes, so like we're 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 only able to operate at a certain. Uh, capacity and like it's in our minds it's especially this year with the anniversary and a new record coming out like our hope is to make every show we're playing special and like it feel like a celebration because that's how it feels to us I mean like regardless of having to take a big break and then, and then come back to it and, you know, come back to the thing that makes us feel like ourselves, the anniversary, it's 20 years as a band is really blowing our minds. You know, it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. So it's it's lucky for us that we have a lot to celebrate and uh, yeah. So we're kind of just like peppering ourselves out there a little bit and it feels good. Uh, and then with hot water music, like it's, it's similar in that, you know, George is in the bouncing souls and Chuck has his solo career as well. And uh, he's, he has a very serious, and demanding job when he's home is like a fly fishing guide, you know, in California. And like Jason has a job too. And, you know, like Wallard is working. He, I mean, I, Wallard's obviously not on the road, but he's, he's working at home and, and he's like the creative catalyst for the band, you know, like he's still just writing and working on music and sharing stuff. And it's amazing. So everyone has lives outside of this stuff. And I think for a long time, not only the flatliners, not only hot water music. A lot of bands put their own life second. You know, they put the band in front of their own life because it's admittedly kind of what you have to do when you're starting out. You have to make it your life. You know, in order for it to have any kind of longevity, to see any kind of result out of it, even if like your your measure of success is you know like a couple people at the show singing along, which is great. But you still got to get to that point somehow. I Think re- recently in, enough, there's been a lot of. Reflection with a lot of people who play music, and I'm sure in other, you know, whatever, like lines of work and industries and stuff too. But I think the main thing I've learned in the last few years is like the band only works if you yourself work, you know. Uh, and by that, I mean, I've got to be the best version of myself, uh, like body and mind, I would say, to be able to go out there and make a show special with either band I'm playing in, you know? And I think that I know there's a lot of folks who who get into it and and have demons and and you can, you can exercise those demons with music. I've done that all my life. You know what I mean? But uh, now more than ever, you're going to see two versions of it. It's going to be people who just like are completely going wild on tour again, in the sense of like a really, really busy schedule, like to just kind of like ride that wave and, and get that escape. Cause don't get me wrong. It makes makes you feel like yourself then do it but there's another there's the other side of things which i think i'm kind of on more now which is like let's make it happen every once in a while let's make it really fun let's make it really special instead of just like doing a show to do a show uh the flats for instance are at a point are at the point that we've always wanted to be at which is like we don't have to be out there for 10 months of the year we can go out and play 40 shows in a year and you know have fun in every one of them and it doesn't really like punish our personal lives too much but it also you know like gives our fan base a glimpse of us you know and it gives us a glimpse of them and because we we're in this shit together you know what i mean like one doesn't work without the other
1: You've seen a difference, kind of, in the how how the crowd reacts to live music now, having been away for so long. Like, do you think it's kind of like a fizzy ball that's kind of popped, and everyone's just so excited about being outside and being able to be around sweaty people?
2: Um, I've seen a, a, a bit of of that. I've seen a bit of maybe more so of the opposite, which is I feel like a lot of people feel strange and awkward in a crowd. <laughs> yeah, it's fizzling out though, and that's only. I mean, let's be honest, it's natural. I mean, after after like not being allowed to see people and all that stuff and trying to keep everyone safe for all these years, like it's, uh, it's weird to be in a crowd, you know, and it really is. But uh, there's definitely a lot more, like, even if it's not just, you know, if we're not talking physically speaking, like moving around and, and jumping around and all this stuff, like in the crowd, like there is a, 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 a huge like wave of like passion out there for it. You know what I mean? Even like online and stuff, like the things people are writing about seeing bands live, them coming through, uh, town on tour. Even folks who are like not like they bought a ticket for a show and aren't able to go anymore, and like a lot of folks like aren't even selling their tickets. Like ah, just keep my money. I guess <laughs> it's like it's very sweet. I mean, like to all the people doing that that might be listening to the show, fans want you there because we would love to play for you. Because if no one's in the crowd, playing a show sucks. <laughs> but. If you are one of those folks who can't make the show, if you feel uncomfortable or you're just really straight up not able to make it and you do not get your money back, if, if, you're, if you're able to do that, if you're comfortable doing that, if you're able to afford that, at this point, every band really appreciates that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to say don't come to the show and pay me. <laughs> not at all. I don't want that. But it's, uh, it's just interesting how it's all kind of like we're all kind of getting back to it and find, finding our way back to it, you know? And uh, I think one of the most beautiful things was seeing how much people wanted to support the arts through a time where we couldn't all, like, we couldn't perform this stuff directly in front of you, you know, for you. And people got, you know, uh, behind doing like live stream gigs and stuff like that. And they're weird. Live stream gigs are super weird. You know, like, I'm so glad that isn't a thing that's going to last forever. I mean, there's always the option to do something. And if you do something now, I think you have to make it cool and, and worth people tuning in but but uh, man they, i did a few acoustic one of those and they were they were just fucking bizarre I, but we had to do it because it, it, it's it's still it's still allowed a connection so i i i respect it and i and i understand it but i'm glad that we don't have to do that anymore
1: i'm a massive stand-up comedian fan and a lot of comedians are doing it online and it must have been so weird for them to perform yeah just with with any performer really without an audience to feed off because it, it, obviously with Absolutely. comedy there's a beat like you're hitting the beat of the crowd and without you really being able to hear that apart from that kind of tin laughter it it, it must have mm-hmm. been so unusual um, so, so oh, yeah. new album coming out but you're you're back at Fat with this with this album, having flirted with Rise. Uh, the new album's called <laughs> yeah. uh, New Ruin, due to release sometime in August, I believe. Was was the plan always to go back to Fat, or was it to record the album and then shop it around?
2: The four of us had a conversation early last summer where the record was was pretty much like well shaped up, I'd say, and we talked about what we wanted to do like touring wise we we talked about the anniversary we talked about just things we wanted to accomplish i guess and like honestly like it's so cheesy to put it this way it's pretty corny but like honestly like the main thing that we wanted to accomplish was to have fun again playing music together we thought well okay like that's the best possible you know place to start and once it got to like talking about who we wanted to put it out i mean it was a no-brainer to be honest to do it with fat like we, we did the record on rise and it was fine you know that whole time i mean quote unquote left fat like we didn't we didn't feel like we had because we put out a couple seven inches with fat like for like the great awake uh 10th anniversary like some demos with them and i think there's something else and then but you know we also would stay at aaron's house every time we played in san francisco you know and we'd see vanessa on the east coast and we'd see We'd see the rest of the crew. We'd bar at Jordan, everyone, like when we were in California, like they're our friends, they're our family, right? So we'd still see these people all the time. And it was always great. We'd see them at Fest. We'd see them at Riot Fest. We'd see them, you know, all the kind of go-tos that Fat would be at if we were hitting like these festivals or if we were in town playing a club show, like any of this stuff. We'd always just be hanging out anyways. So it was inevitable, I think. You know, like they were so supportive of us trying something else with Inviting Light and you know, musically speaking, I, it was definitely like the biggest left turn we've ever taken. But I mean, we're so glad we did because we want to grow, you know what I mean? Like we want to show people another side of us musically, uh, if it's in us, you know, it's it's not that we're like sitting down and being like, Okay, well, now we did that record, so we're gonna do a fucking metal record next. <laughs> like this doesn't really work that way with us. I mean, people are different every day, you know what I mean? And and you keep growing as a person all the time. So we get to do that as people and also as musicians. So inviting light was, was a really exciting time, a really interesting time for our band. Um, Cause it really showed us. And then the world, I suppose, like what we could do, you know, and um, fat was so supportive of us, like just trying something else with it, you know, uh, label wise. I mean, they knew for a long time before, like the world, like the, pu- the public knew that we were going to do the record with someone else. We made it very, we made a, a point to to be very open and honest and transparent with them that we were interested in, in seeing if with that kind of record, if a different team or whatever could like do something with it. Uh, and I'm glad we tried. But at the same time, I'm fucking so glad we're back with Fat. <laughs> so <laughs> because so they're just so they're just so supportive. You know what I mean? They just have. They're their friends, their family, and they just they know they know us. We know them, and it's it's that comfort level is just really like welcoming. It makes a world of difference.
1: I mean, reading between the lines, it sounds like you didn't get the support that you probably wanted from Rise. Am I right in saying that?
2: It was okay, you know what I mean. Like, but at the same time, I think they just had like bigger priority bands. I mean, that happens all the time with any label. You know what I mean? Like, I I won't deny that. Like, sure, like things could have more things could have happened, I suppose. But I mean, at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I think it's dangerous to get into the game for a band our size. It's dangerous to get into the game of like demanding more or, or all that kind of stuff. Cause I think of it, I think of a record label as doing everything a band does times, you know, X amount of bands they have in their roster. So I know basically like how much work can go into a band, you know, to, to, to write a record, to record a record, to put it out, to Market it, all this kind of shit, and then, like on top of that, touring is a whole other world, right? Maybe the label doesn't have a lot to go into like the touring world of things, which is true for some is untrue for others because there are a lot of labels that you know do a lot of uh booths and festivals and like take their label on the road and do like a distro and stuff like that. I mean, you see that in the u k you see that in Europe a lot, right, even if they don't have a toe in the pool of touring, really like. They are doing all of those things, all of that work that a band does for their own record for like 50 bands a year or maybe 25 bands a year. It's a lot of work, right? So I look to a label as they're doing so much work in a time where it's harder and harder to sell the thing they're trying to sell to people. You know what I mean? And I have no bad blood with like anyone we've ever worked with at a record label because like they're, they're putting a lot of money into it and a lot of time and effort into it. And I mean, it's all appreciated. I mean, with Rise, I think it would, it felt different because we had been at Fat for 10 years. You know what I mean? And it was, it was going to feel different regardless if it was good or bad, you know? And uh, I can't say it was bad. It was just, it was a different experience and, and I think that label had a different uh yeah, different like kind of gang of of uh bands that were their priority and like that label has some huge bands. So you know what I mean? When we when we kind of put it all in perspective, we're like, well, it's okay, whatever. I mean <laughs> we put like a, a a strange record, I suppose, for us, you know, yeah. like for our fans out on Rise and but I mean I'm glad we did.
1: When we last last spoke in eighteen, you said that um the inviting lights wasn't a punk band album; it was a band album, which I kind of yeah. thought was quite a, a unique way of of saying we we've tried different things with, with mm. this album that's coming out, and i've been lucky enough to to listen to it and I, I would advise anyone to go and pre order a copy of new lyrics, <laughs> and then right. and then send it send it back and but don't ask for a refund uh we've already spoken about that <laughs> <laughs> how How would you describe the sound of this new album because clearly I don't think you've gone back to, to what you were putting out of fat, but it's definitely not um, inviting lights. Well,
2: I'm glad it kind of has its own thing then. Uh, It's angrier. It's much angrier. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe anything we've done.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first track just is fucking amazing. Like I love how heavy (laughs) it is. I love how heavy
2: it is. Thank you. Thank you, man. Uh, Yeah. I, I mean, with everything going on in the, in the world around us while writing a lot of these songs, like, we're really fucking angry. I mean, how could you not be that really comes through in the music and what the songs are about. And I think for the first time in a long time, lyrically and like thematically, like the, the, the record at large is, is less and less about, you know, my or our immediate lives and worlds around us, but about, but really it's more about the world at large. You know what I mean? It's not about us. It's about, everything and uh yeah there's a lot to be angry about so it really came through in the music and i don't know i think like i think each record we put out is in turn it's well i guess it it, it ends up being a response to the last thing we've done and even though i think that there are like some of maybe i'm the only one that thinks this but i think there are some of our bands like heaviest moments to date actually do happen on inviting light But also there's the flip side and there's some of our most approachable, you know, uh, most feathery moments as a band as well on that record too. Uh, But I think because we had that, (laughs) I think because we had that combination of things, uh, it uh, yet again like freed us up to do whatever we kind of wanted on this one and it just turns out whatever we wanted to do on this one was get really loud and really angry and uh, just try to write some great songs.
0: my skin to at least let a little bit of soft light in Now something no one's ever seen before, but I just couldn't see my hands anymore.
1: I do want to talk about the performative hours video in a second, but i I'm, I'm interested sure. to know uh, what do you think of the rise of cassette music format?
2: because cassettes yeah huh. i mean i it's weird i feel like they kind of never went away i know they did i think just because at least in the punk world like i mean i feel like when we put dead language out that was like the first time we put a tape out and then we were on tour with a friend's band and like this guy like was making tapes all along that doesn't mean that anyone was buying them i guess but he was making them <laughs> all the time <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean like I, th- I think it's i think it's cool if you have a if you have a cassette player if you have a tape deck that's great i mean i don't I mean, I'm looking – I have a couple of tapes here in the room with me, but, like, I've never listened to them. I do have a couple of the tapes still from, like, I was like, – when I was a kid, hmm. some of the first few I ever got, which was, like, I mean, what's the story more in glory? Shout out your people, right?
1: <laughs> I was oh. always a blur guy, so uh, I
2: can't – Oh, shit? Yeah. Ah, all right. Sorry, man. All right, all right. Uh, hey, no problem. Yeah, but anyways, like, I don't know. I I, I think it's cool. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel – I don't feel much of a way about
1: it, I just think it's such a weird <laughs> I, I just think it's a weird format to go back to because you're right like I've got old punk cassettes up in my attic, but they sound like shit, and that's like that's yeah. why like for a punk band, it's a good choice because let's face it some most some <laughs> punk bands <laughs> yeah, just yeah, sound yeah, like yeah. shit, but if you're like putting out like I don't know like. It, it seems to have got so f- popular now. So, like, artists, major artists like Adele or Taylor Swift are putting out cassettes. I just think it's such a yeah. weird way to sell what clearly has been produced to an inch of its life, music. It's so weird that they have putting out cassettes. Yeah. It's just a weird f- music format that seems to be coming back.
2: My favorite thing by far about listening to a tape is um, the who <laughs> that happens right at the beginning of it it's so cool <laughs> i wish i wish even if you're listening on like spotify or apple music or something that uh that not only they would pay artists a lot fucking more but i wish that had the who <laughs> at the beginning of it would be really nice.
1: you've got an app right there mate you want to <laughs> patent that don't yeah, let 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 anyone edit steal this part that out because i'm gonna
2: <laughs> I, that's proprietary information <laughs> I'll hit you up when I get the patent.
1: You can put it back in the episode. Excellent. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the, the music video for Performative Hours. Um, one thing I noticed, I, I loved your little cough. I thought that was very funny. Uh, also, you've got a uh, comedian, um, Rodrigo Fernandez Stroll, which is the best fucking name for a person ever. Yeah. Uh, starring in your music video. I mean, how how do you know uh, Rodrigo? Because he's a, he's, he's a comedic writer and stand-up performer is that right
2: yeah he's a he's a stand-up comedian and actor and he's been in a lot of uh i mean he's been in a lot of stuff over the years but he's um he's been in a few cbc like original programming so that's like our bbc right um and yeah i mean i just see him on tv and then at some point i just we were dreaming up this idea for the video and i thought like I really wanted to try to find a way to connect the music world and comedy world, the, the, those two worlds that exist in, in Toronto and just at large. I feel like there's so many similarities between musicians and comedians, the way we work, the way we live, the way we travel for work, the way we write, stuff like that. I thought it would be really cool to like showcase some of these like super funny, really, really talented comedians from Toronto, like the area and uh i just i hit up i hit up rod i kind of cold called him and see like wanted to see if he was interested in the idea and i sent him the uh, the idea for the video like the treatment for it and he he liked it enough that uh we chatted on the phone a little bit about it and then he was he got super into the idea and he became so instrumental so helpful in making that happen like creating really helping us create that world and then our director mitch barnes was I mean completely invaluable and like and bringing it all together like having having experience making films and music videos and all this kind of stuff i I figured he'd be he'd be perfect for the job because with this video there's a challenge of there no be there being zero dialogue that we hear, right, so it's all kind of mitch directing these amazing performers uh to basically show us with their facial expressions and with their body language and with their actions and stuff like that, like really what's going on and then kind of drop it onto the canvas of this really chaotic song and make it all make sense. And the world we made for that video is like, I I love it. It's so exciting. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's beyond my wildest dreams, like how it really turned out, like to have an idea come to come from my brain and then like I kind of, I just, I don't know, I just brought it to those two guys at first and then the rest of the cast and to have it all kind of come back to me the way it did is, is really overwhelming in like a really beautiful way. Like I'm so proud of it. I'm so happy with it. it. It makes me laugh more and more each time I watch it. And I usually watch our music videos like once or twice. And I'm like, cool, even the ones I love, you know what I mean? And sometimes you make a video and a director hits you up with with an idea and you like it and you make the video or you don't like it and you still make the video because you kind of have to make a video. But with this, it just felt like it was so fun to make, you know, and it it was, it felt special. And that's, again, that's like kind of what we're trying. We're trying to just keep chasing that feeling of like, like, let's make all of the work. It's a lot of work, but let's make all of the work fun for everyone. You
1: know, you've worked with comedians before, because you you've remixed a, a comedian called David yeah. Ross' stand-up album, the yeah. man who's ever had sex, which I think is a, is <laughs> yeah. is a a unique way of kind of like like you said, I I do I do agree. I think there's such a a connection between comedians and musicians, mainly because most comedians want to be rock stars and musicians want to be comedians. So it's always kind of yeah, like yeah. that that like mutual love for each other's craft. I mean, so how did it come about you working on that comedy album? And is stand-up comedy something you would like to give a go? Because I've got my own little bucket list of something that I would like to do before I hit 50. And I'd love to just go up on stage and try and crack out five minutes and then get booed off. Like, I just feel like there's... there's There's such uh, um, uh, vulnerability going on stage as a comedian because you haven't got the band in front of you. You're just on your own. So I just wonder if that's something you'll ever have a crack at.
2: I don't think so. I mean, like, I get to try my best to make people laugh between songs on stage with the band if that's if that's the the kind of you know mood i'm in that night kind of thing (laughs) so it might be easier for you to start a band and then and then just tell jokes between songs (laughs) (laughs) there's no music that's the joke there's no music (laughs) yeah yeah because it's true what you said i mean it is it there's such a vulnerability to getting up there and like performing as a comedian like you're you're up there on your own it's gotta be terrifying you know um yeah we have friends i mean and now the cast of this video, like it's it's been it's been great to like hang with these these comedians and, and chat with them and work with them and stuff. And it's yeah, Dave, Dave Ross has been a good buddy of mine for a few years, and it's it's interesting to not only learn and kind of have confirmed that there are all these similarities between, you know, musicians and comedians, but also like that kind of disparity of it, like what what is really different, you know? I mean, the the closest thing I'd get to really feeling the way a comedian feels when they travel is when I do like acoustic tours. Cause it's a lot of it is I've done kind of both versions where, you know, I'm in a van with a few people that every night we're doing the show together. And I've done the other version, which is, I think more like how comedian rolls, which is like, I'm alone, you know, and it's lonely. I think especially because I'm so accustomed to being in a group of people all the time that it can be really lonely, but it's, um it also gives you a lot of time to think and reflect and then usually write you know, which is good. Dave and I met through Mike Wiebe from the Riverboat Gamblers. He He's also a comedian. Mike's a really, really hilarious comedian. And um from remembering correctly, like I was uh, I was playing shows with Riverboat Gamblers and then I was we were about to go to Denver and I'd mentioned to Mike that I was going to try to go see Dave do a set when I was in Denver, which never ended up happening. But because I, I think at some point I just knew that they were friends and I was already a fan of Dave's comedy and then like uh mike just like put us in touch and dave and i just chatted a bunch and then chatted on the phone like during it must have been before covid yeah and then he started he asked me to write him a few like theme songs for his like podcasts and stuff like that he was starting all these podcasts and it's just been like a cool like friendship and like working relationship with him you know and uh on the 17th of June, Dave and I are putting out like a split four-inch record
0: <laughs> there <you> go,
2: <laughs> called Almost Nothing. Four-inch record. And it'll be like on bandcamp camp and, and all that stuff too. It's four podcast theme songs that I wrote for Dave. And then uh, like the other side is is Dave's side and it's, it's a couple minutes of his like stand-up. So nice. it's cool. It's like, like doing all that kind of stuff and making the video for, for, for performative hours and like being able to like kind of like bounce these ideas off of People who like I should not have access to <laughs> is enough for me in the comedy world. you know what i mean it's uh I love it. I'm a huge fan of it, and I just like of like the craft and and how how yeah like comedians kind of like are constantly working and hustling and stuff like that it is really reminiscent to me of of touring and uh sorry of of you know fans on tour and stuff and it's it's a cool world, man. I just love to laugh, but I don't think I'll ever try to do it myself. I think if I ever do that, I would be terrible at it.
1: I mean, I, I'm, I'm fully aware I'd go up and, and uh, bomb, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some. Everyone loves like a dad joke, right? So it'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my previous guest was um, a TikTok star. His name's Cappy. He's actually a big fan of you guys. And uh, like, this dude uses punk pop to uh, make little like skits. And, he, and he's like a couple of videos he's done. He's got like six million views. Uh, It is crazy. And I've noticed that you guys are now on TikTok as well. And I was thinking, well, TikTok probably wasn't really around as much during the like before the pandemic so and now it's like everywhere and how, how have you found as a band like promoting yourself on new formats because i've noticed you you've got um, getting baked with the flatliners which i think is very funny um thank you i mean how, how how do you kind of shift and adapt to to like the new ways that you have to market yourself and and do you find it kind of like ah oh, i'm too old for this shit i don't want to be doing this anymore like people know who we are let's just forget about tiktok
2: I definitely feel the latter a lot. Um, but at the same time, I think that we're just trying to find like fun ways to remind people we're a band, you know, I mean, making a record is probably the most fun way, <laughs> but yeah, with like the getting baked series is fun. Cause it's just so dumb, you know, and it's like, it has nothing to do with our music and, but it's just a, it's a perfect way to remind people that we exist as people. And, and a band somehow, even though we're just making dips and stuff all the time. <laughs> but it's also this kind of joke of like, how stupid is this that like this is what not like not that this is what people want, but like how how crazy is it that like at the end of the day, like the internet is just a place for people to throw shit in the wall, and it's either usually bragging or complaining in some way and just being like, Look at me. You know what I mean? So it's kind of also that series in general is like kind of a joke of like, you're going to watch this. You're going to enjoy it. We appreciate that because like work goes into it and it's really fun to like edit those videos and stuff like that. But like at the end of the day, like it's nothing. It means absolutely nothing. But people are like, we want more. So it's just feeding this fucking like just insatiable machine. You know what I mean? But I don't know, man. I mean like it's with TikTok in particular, I don't know anything about it. I've, I've posted you know a few things on the band's one and it's i don't i'll never learn how to properly use that format i bet you know like yeah. is it moves so quick man that's what makes me feel like an old an old guy you know but like it's fun to try you know if if all i'm doing for the first little bit is like we're we're throwing the same video we've thrown on all the other platforms up on that too cool you know the one thing it's like that drives me crazy about it i'm about to sound very old it's similar to like Netflix now when you log in, there's like someone just like yelling at you right away. Like it doesn't give you any, there's no, there's no buffer. There's no kind of like little like vestibule for the app to like come in and be like, here I am now I'm in the app. What do we have today? You know, like there's no second door to go through. You're, you're going like straight from the outside right into the fucking kitchen, you know? And it, uh, yeah, it's a lot. There's just people yelling at you right away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's no foreplay. It's just straight to the Um, fucking. So the the other format that you kind of uh, dicked around with was Under the Banner podcast, 10 episodes and done. What happened? We we spoke about it. 2018, we spoke about it. You were like, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. It's a lot of work. And then,
2: yeah, gave up. It's a lot of work. It was fun doing carry the banner. I mean, I think the biggest challenge was finding a quiet place to chat with people on tour. I mean you know you know full well about that like it's it's hard and also doing that and playing and being involved with kind of like the the day to day you know stuff with the band and like it's 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 a lot I mean editing those episodes together if I kept doing it, I'm sure I would have gotten better and, and and maybe faster with it, you know all that but it's uh, it's a lot of work i mean I'm not gonna sit here and say it'll never come back you know but it's uh it was it was definitely really fun to do um like I think like everyone on earth now I'm a big podcast guy and I just think like everyone it's not the most inventive you know like reason to start a podcast or anything like that or or the the most original premise for a podcast but like it's true that I everyone that does this for a living or even as a hobby like you know what I mean but traveling to play music and making records and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of stories there, right? So, and we've been fortunate enough over the years to meet a lot of great people who were really interesting and really generous with their time, right? So it's, uh, it was fun to do. Uh, maybe it'll come back one day, but it was just the reality of trying to do that and tour a lot was, uh, it just became too much. And I thought 10 was a pretty good, pretty good number to nice <laughs> stop And for now, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, I think I've taken up most uh, enough of your time. But before you go, um, normally we'd be doing this in a pub and I'm trying to keep at least a tedious link to the podcast name, Punks and Pubs. So I end, <laughs> so end with this question. So, So you've got a day off. You've got no distractions. Distance isn't an issue. Who are you calling up just to have a beer and a chat with?
2: Whoa, that's a good question. Um, is this like an alive or dead situation or is this just like...
1: Uh, we, we can do both if you want. If, if, there's, a, if there's a guy you want to dig up or a girl you want to dig up and just <laughs> stick her in front of a beer.
2: beer. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? Because it is, it is within the lore of the Flatliners and it is, it is an English made an English-made world. This is fictional if that's okay, if I can do that. But there's a scene in the comic strip series. The, like there's two, there's these two short films mm-hmm. that the comic strip made. And I believe the first one predates Spinal Tap, which is Bad News Tour. And it's like the guys from The Young Ones.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, Rick uh, Mayall, Adrian Edmondson. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And uh, so it's like, essentially it's it's similar to Spinal Tap in that it's like a, this metal band, really goofy metal band in that like, super goofy era of metal right? and uh, in the eighties. And uh, I can't remember now if the moment that I want to go to on my day off is in bad news tour or more bad news. So I feel like a poser right now, but um, there's a scene where the band goes to a pub and they sit down and the, you know, the wait staff comes over and asks them if they want to, if you know what they'd like to drink. And I think they each order a pint of lager and then they each quickly say, no, you know what, hang on, we'll get 50 pints of lager. And then the waitstaff has this, they have this kind of, you know, confused look on their face. And then the drummer spider says, we're a rock and roll band, aren't we? A hundred pints of lager. And then it just <laughs> smash cuts to them all shit face. And there's like so many empty, empty, you know, beer mugs. And I think that's where I'd go on my day off. I think I'd want to get just fucked up with, uh, with the band Bad News at that at that traditional English pub. Mm. It'd be really great. There's an intro clip to Cavalcade uh, that's from that's from one of those two movies, and the intro clip to Shithawks on Cavalcade is also from that one's definitely from Bad News Tour. So this was like something that we saw one of the first times we came over to the UK, and like just absolutely <laughs> fell in love with. And still watch it all the time. Yeah, they're just like larger than life, super pathetic. (laughs) Really, have you seen it?
1: I have. Yeah. So Rick Mail is probably one of my comedic heroes. Like the young ones for me. Probably the Young Ones was one of the reasons I got into punk music because I saw them. No, cool. did you, you used to watch the Young Ones?
2: So like, not when it was on, obviously. But yeah. we think I'm a little young for it. But it was like once we saw Bad News Tour and More Bad News on on tour. Our friend Ed, our friend Ed Boning, who used to uh, drive us around in Europe the first uh, bunch of years we toured over there. A bunch of years we started coming over there. He's from Norwich, yeah, and he used to tour with like Goober Patrol and like super funny guy and was just into all the same stuff we were into and. He showed us bad news to her, more bad news, and then showed us all the young ones stuff. Yeah. And I, we'd seen some of the young ones stuff, but I think we were too young to realize like what, what we were really seeing. Um, oh, yeah. So then we went full, full tilt into that world, yeah.
1: So the Young Ones, what I used to... For people who don't know, it is about a group of students and used to have like a hippie, a punk, a a, a guy, pretend he's a radical, but really he's just a posh kid. But what the Young Ones used <laughs> to do amazingly well was they inserted bands into the skit. So like you had bands like Madness and uh, Motorhead. Mm. And that was my first kind of real exposure to that kind of music when I was like five or five or six watching it, I was just so... Like, just, I love the the, the cuts to the, from how the scene's playing out, but then also you've got this fucking huge lemming with his bass just, like, yeah. screaming out Ace, Ace of Spades, and it was just, yeah, it was phenomenal. So, yeah, Rick Mayo and Adrian Edmondson, for me, are, are, are two, like, comedic hero, heroes of mine. So uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it with that. Cool. Perfect. Chris, thank you, mate. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me,
2: man. It's good to see you.
1: Okay. Okay, we're heavy metal, okay? Heavy metal,
0: heavy metal, heavy metal. You're telling the world. Thank you so
1: much to Chris for taking the time to speak to me. The new album, New Ruin, will be released on August the 5th via FAT. So go pre-order a physical copy if you can. But if you can't, a digital is fine uh, because the album is fucking amazing and already in probably my top five albums of this year punks and pubs will be going to 2000 trees yay for the first time Uh, again for og fans i spoke to james scarlett one of the co-creators of the festival back in 18 so if you're looking for a podcast to listen to on your way to trees you can do much worse than giving that episode a spin Thank you so much to Cardinal Birds for sponsoring this episode. Uh, if you know, if you don't know about these guys, uh, go back and listen to the Ukrainian special. The guys now have released a new single. Uh, you can go get that on a digital platform. So go buy the single and support these guys. And I hope to have them on again later in the year because the worry is that this war will will drag out and people will forget. And we can't forget that that a country like Russia have invaded a, a sovereign state of ukraine and innocent people are dying for absolutely no fucking reason uh, i know there's war all over the world and there is a point of that this is on my doorstep so therefore i'm going to talk about it more I, i'm sorry but that is just the case it is when, when things are close to you, you give more of a shit it shouldn't be like that but it is and i'm very aware that a war in yemen has been going on for fucking too long and there were massive war crimes that Saudi Arabia are committing but I've kind of gone on a tangent then anyway go (laughs) go try and turn this juggernaut around Uh, go (laughs) and support them and uh, buy a digital copy right I'm off I will be back with some hopefully some 2000 trees interviews soon enough but till then if you go into a punk show and you see someone fall down you pick them right back up again I love you bye-bye
2: do